Get ready to step into scripture with Matt and Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to the Step Into Scripture podcast. We are in season four called Shadows. We are moving chronologically through the whole word of God in 2024, beginning with this first section of scripture that we call Shadows because here we find shadows of the Messiah in our reading. And so this episode, we are going to be looking at some events in scripture where heaven touches earth. So I'm excited to jump into this with you. I'm happy to have my husband, Matt, co-hosting here with with me, Matt, would you introduce yourself? I'm Matt Wilson, lead pastor at Ecclesia Christian Church in Conway, South Carolina, and I'm glad to be here with you right now. All right, if you all are reading chronologically through the Bible with us, this is week three, and we are going to cover some information that you read on days 15 through 21. The reading for those days is Job 40 through 42 and Genesis 12 through 29. And that entire reading plan is laid out in the Step Into Scripture book. If you don't have that yet, you can pick it up on Amazon, Step Into Scripture by Tina Wilson. We follow the blue letter chronological Bible reading plan, and then we read daily from the book to accompany what we're reading in scripture. So in the last few days of reading during week three, we've been introduced to this first covenant family in God's story, which is the family of Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. We met his wife, Sarah. We met his nephew, Lot, and we learned about Lot's rescue and Abraham's encounter with this mysterious character named Melchizedek. Now, he's a major shadow of the Messiah that we find in the book of Genesis, and we talk about that in the book Step Into Scripture. If you want to dig deeper into Melchizedek, I would like to point you toward season two of this podcast, episode 13, that was called The Mystery of Melchizedek. And also, Matt, you preached an incredible sermon that I want to just mention here on Melchizedek last year at our home church, Ecclesia. You can find that on the Ecclesia Christian Church YouTube channel. It was week four in our series called Devoted, and it was on tithing, but great breakdown of Melchizedek. So please check out that sermon if you'd like to learn more about that mysterious figure who shadows the Messiah. Now, also this week, we've gotten into some really crazy family drama. We're not going to focus on that too much in this episode because we are going to talk about it a lot more in a later episode. But I do want to just make this quick statement about it to clarify, because often people come away with a lot of questions when they start reading about how dysfunctional Hmm. this covenant family was. The book of Genesis contains a lot of narrative about people's bad behavior without a lot of commentary on it. We read what happened, but we don't really find scripture condemning or affirming the behavior. And so often I think when people read this, they assume that the bad behavior is okay. But I want you to recognize that that is not what scripture is saying. Genesis is a historical narrative. It's telling us the facts of what happened. And so we have to judge what we read that occurred against the commands that were given by God. And then we can also discern the consequences and the chaos that resulted from all these bad decisions to see that God was not okay with these things. Yeah, if if the Bible only recorded the good, 
and we had all the all of God's decrees, and then only the times people obeyed them, what well, hope would there be for us, right? Right, exactly. I mean, the Bible is filled with connective flaws that make the common reader, you, me, everybody else, they make us able to relate to it by yes. saying, God loved them, used them, and did these amazing things for them. He can use me. Yeah. We dug deeper into that in a former episode of this podcast. If you want to talk more about that piece of Genesis, just what do I do with all of this bad behavior that I don't find openly condemned in what's written, go to season two of Step Into Scripture, episode 10. It was called Deception and Polygamy. And we talk more about that in that episode. So our introduction this week to the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to give us another opportunity to look at the meta narrative of scripture. That's something we refer to often on this podcast. So in this episode, we're going to actually take a walk through the whole Bible, literally from beginning to end. And some of it might kind of feel like deep water if you haven't read it before, but we want you just to hang with us because this single overarching story, the meta narrative of scripture, while it starts in Genesis one with creation, we find much of it is tied directly to what we saw initiated this week was this family of Abraham. So on this episode, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at three points that link together on the meta narrative timeline. And we're also going to talk about how these apply to our story or more appropriately, how our story fits into God's story based on these three sections of history, starting with the family of Abraham. Yeah. So one of the one of the pieces that stands out to me, I've heard people say, like you said, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about punishment for these people that did these things that were wrong. And actually it does. If you break yeah. down, not only does God tell them what is wrong, but it does describe some of their punishments and the effects that they go through because of their sin. But the truth of it is God does not ever discipline people to the depth that they deserve. Right. And so look at our lives. We, we look at this and say, well, that's not fair. I don't see them get punished. We, we have not been punished and suffered the yeah. consequences we deserve, that's right. right? And so as we, as we look at this, the kingdom has really been the same throughout, but we're going to talk about the kingdom that was. So Abraham, as we learn, he was looking for a city that's foundations were not built by human hands. So Genesis 12 says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. And this is kind of amazing because he's telling Abraham, leave everything you know. Yeah. Leave your country, leave your family, and you're going to go to a place I'm going to show you. And now in Ur, he had seen like the ziggurat that had been built there. And it's, it's still standing today. It's been kind of repaired, but they built these massive staircases down these pyramids and they believed that their God would actually come dwell at the top and so for them, the reason this is so important is because this was their stairway to heaven. Wow. So Abraham was looking, he was coming from a kingdom where they believed heaven and earth could touch by this staircase. And he's leaving to go to the God of heaven that you can't reach. He has to come to us. Yeah. You cannot climb a staircase to get to right. him. And so he's telling him, I'm calling you out of this falsehood to bring you to the truth. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This is so powerful. We live in a time today where we can't even take a compliment. 
where God's telling Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. Now, it may not look the way you or I would think greatness is, but Abraham has a great name and the three major religions of the world still uphold him in the highest of honor, right? And so when we look at this, the key piece to me, the most powerful piece to me is, and you will be a blessing. Not you will receive a blessing, not will you be blessed, you will be a blessing. And when you think about that, think of who we call a blessing. That person is such a blessing. Look at this next piece in the light of Abraham being a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So just a thing, you want a good name? You want to be a blessing? Then look at it like this. People are blessed by being around you. Do you bless others? Do you encourage others? So thousands of years later, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament would say it like this in Hebrews 11. Let's start with verse eight. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Now, remember we talked about what blessed looks like? Yeah. Here's how he lived, intense, just like his son and his grandson, Isaac and Jacob did, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So he was willing to live in tents to be great. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations. He doesn't build a great city for himself. He's looking forward to what God's going to build, whose architect and builder is God. He has a multi-generational vision and he's in search of something his grandson Jacob is going to continue to pursue. Yeah. We get so caught up in building everything for ourselves now, we forget to pass on right. what God is doing. But let's look at Jacob for a second. Grandson of Abraham, right? Yep. And his name means deceiver. Yes. He deceives his father Isaac and steals his brother Esau's blessing. Much different than being a conduit of blessing to all people, like Abraham was told he would be, he's actually stealing blessings from others. Yeah. So, I mean, you start thinking about this, it's like, oh, wow, I don't think his brother would call him a blessing. Right. You know, but God has a plan. And so he, fl- he flees from his brother and he, his brother wants to kill him. Right. And, and if you ever been so mad at somebody, they did you wrong and you want to kill them, and Esau is a highly emotional person when we read this scripture. And so he, in his deceit, he leaves and he's going to Padan Aram. I hope I'm saying that right. On his way there, something powerful happens. He meets the Lord. And I love that throughout the Bible, Old Testament or New, we see people who have the wrong intent in their heart have an encounter with God that changes them. Yes. We see this in the New Testament right. with Saul becoming Paul. And so one night as he lays down with only a stone for a pillow, God comes to him. In Genesis 28, 12, it says, and he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder or staircase, depending on how your, how your translation is, that was set up on the earth. And at the top of it, it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So One, not only here does God confirm the blessing that he had promised to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, but it's also a promise of a kingdom. He's showing him, so he is actually seeing what his grandfather left that was mortal, this ziggurat, 
that had a staircase to their heaven where their God would be. And he's actually seeing with his own eyes a way that heaven can touch earth. Yes. So their, their, their whole belief system was that they would go there to be with their God, only the best. But here we've got this picture of angels descending and coming to earth. That's unheard of for anything they had seen. And so Here's this kingdom, a physical kingdom, where Jacob's 12 sons would grow into great tribes and his descendants would conquer and inherit the land. But God is showing them this spiritual change, this spiritual purpose behind it. The nation of Israel, that's the kingdom that was, right? right? So Jacob believed that God, he believed God, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now we read that as Christians and we're like, oh, cool, the gate of heaven. But what we miss is all of these ancient cities at that time had these pyramids that were called the gate to heaven. Wow. This was how their priest and their kings would go into the presence of their God. But he is seeing where God can send to earth. And that's so awesome. Jacob caught a glimpse of something beyond the physical kingdom. And he's seeing something that's going to be established through his lineage, right? Right. He saw this spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that would never disappear. And he saw heaven touching earth as the angels go up and down. And so you're going to read more about that as we go through. Jacob called the place God's house Bethel, where man finds fellowship with the Almighty. And what's awesome is I've actually been able to be there. So we would call it Tel Dan. And when you go to the top, there was an altar of God that still to this day, you can go and see the altar. Wow. And the, the frame of the later altar that would split is there. But it is one of the most amazing places with fresh water flowing. It is the most amazing sight to see because everywhere you go is this beautiful water just surging through it. So this is an incredible picture that Jacob gets of heaven touching earth and the spiritual vision. And now let's fast forward 2,000 years, and Jesus at this point is in his ministry, and he describes a similar scenario that's going to carry the same meaning that you just laid out for us of what Jacob experienced in the Old Testament. So let's read John 1, 47 through 51. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So that should automatically clue us in an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Obviously, this is being contrasted. So Jacob, whose name is Deceiver, who is renamed Israel, who now Nathaniel is being called after as an Israelite that has no deceit. Exactly. So immediately we recognize this tie and we start thinking back to Jacob. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's that's so amazing to me. He doesn't give him any details. And and the Bible doesn't give us details as to what's happening. Like, what was he doing under that tree? Right. To where it's like he thought nobody saw him. Right. Like, what was going on with this guy with no deceit who's like, does anything good come from Nazareth? You know, this guy, to where Jesus is like, I saw you under the tree. And he's like, oh, you, yeah, you're the son of God. <laughs> you something know, something, something triggered. All right, so then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. 
you will see greater things than that. Now, here we go. He added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God descending and ascending on the son of man. Wow. So Jacob had deceived his father and his name even meant deceit. And now Jesus makes a direct tie to the vision that that deceiver received 2,000 years earlier. Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, declared that Jesus was the Son of God just because Jesus recognized him. And Jesus, seeing that Nathaniel believed in him, gave him an even bigger vision of the spiritual kingdom that, than, than what Jacob had seen and says, this is a kingdom that you can actually belong to. Heaven is open and angels are ascending and descending on the son of man. What he's saying here is that I, Jesus, I am now the place where heaven touches earth, where man is restored to fellowship with God. Jesus is that picture of Bethel. Wow. That's, that's, if you just stop and think about that for a second, the Bible is so amazing because Jesus intentionally makes the tie of the Israelite of whom there's no deceit. And then we go back and we see where he sees heaven touching earth. And then Jesus is like, you're going to see this on the son of man. Right. I'm going to be. And you know, the thing of it's not just, you're going to see the stair, the stairway open because I've come here because Jesus see in their beliefs, in the ancient beliefs, they could ascend to where their God was, but their God could not come down to them. Wow. And there are still beliefs today, like, like Islam, that, that Allah cannot be here among the mortals. But Jesus is making such a powerful statement here because he is the one who descended yeah. and came down. But he's also saying that you're going to see going back up. Right. And so this is not just heaven coming down, but opening access for Nathaniel and others to right. go back. So let's, let's go a step further. Let's peel another layer back here. That title, Son of Man. Again, Jesus said, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's look at where that title originates in Scripture. So we're going to go back to Daniel in the Old Testament, this prophetic book. Let's read Daniel 7, 13, and 14. He says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So, again, Matt, you opened us with the kingdom that was Israel, this physical nation of Israel. Jacob, Israel's 12 sons who multiplied into millions. And now we're seeing the initiation of a new kingdom, a kingdom that is currently this kingdom where the son of man has been handed all power and authority and, and it's never going to end. This is an eternal kingdom. It exists presently and it will exist forever. So this is the spiritual kingdom that God promised in this same book in Daniel that he was going to set up in what he called the days of the fourth empire, which was also pictured as a fourth beast in, in the book of Daniel. And that was the Roman empire. 
that spiritual kingdom belongs to this son of man. And the kingdom is given to him by the ancient of days, who is God the Father, so that all the earth will serve him. So this is the kingdom that God's people are given to possess because the kingdom belongs to Jesus. And so we can belong to this kingdom. We can reign in this kingdom if we belong to Jesus. So I hope you're seeing what's happening here. God is setting a stage for those who believed in him, the kingdom of Israel, the Mm -hmm. kingdom that was, and he's fulfilling the promise through the people who belong to Christ, the kingdom that is. But that's still not the end of the story. To clarify for people, if you've not read Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2 is so powerful, but you have to know some world history. Sure. Right? So God is fulfilling a covenant that he, he has promised, right? He's had a plan, but his people have not been too faithful. Right. And so we talked previously about Genesis 11 tying to Acts 2 and through Daniel 2 coming together. Right. But in this situation, we see God uses Babylon. So the same land where Babel had been built, a ziggurat with a long escalating stairway to heaven. And he raises up the first kingdom, this powerful kingdom that will unite the world. And then the Persian empire will come after this and they will send people back out, but they're going to network They're going to have streets that are built. And then you're going to have the Greek empire that's going to expand it further. They're going to unite people in language. They're going to have shipping lanes, trade routes, roads. And then this fourth beast, this fourth kingdom, the Roman empire at the time Jesus will come. And they have the world united in language again. And so it's so powerful to see Jesus is going to have all authority and all nations with all languages will worship him. And so God's timing that we can use world history to prove happens perfectly in this. And so as we look at the kingdom that is established when he said it would be established, we now need to look to the next kingdom. So Jesus established the kingdom that is. We had the kingdom that was, the kingdom that is, but there is a kingdom to come. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is said after Jesus is resurrected, right? Uh This is is the the time he's going to send his disciples out. And by what authority, what power? The same one that was promised of him. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to them and said, and it just said before this, they believed and some doubted. Yeah. Right. And so this is the resurrected Jesus. And he's telling them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is so powerful. Jesus validates himself. He said, I lay my life down and I take it up. So here's the resurrected Jesus Christ saying, you didn't kill me. I laid it down. And please hold on to that point, because I think sometimes as a side note in the world that we live in, where Christianity often feels like a minority, sometimes it feels like evil is triumphing. And I think that we are picturing, you know, God is in this arm wrestling match with Satan Who's going to win? Who's going to come out on top? That is not the case. Scripture is very clear. In this kingdom, this kingdom that is, Christ's church has been established. His kingdom has spread out through the whole earth as the gospel has been shared. And he is in control. He has all power and all dominion, all authority over this world. There is nothing, even the evil that happens. Nothing goes on outside of his awareness or allowance. Yeah, I heard someone recently say, well, there are still kingdoms on the earth today, their governments and powers. And yes, but their dominion is limited. Right. 
So, yes, we will go through hardships, and Jesus gets that. But his authority comes because he embraced the hardships of this life, defeated them by his own authority. And now God, out of his faithfulness through those hardships, gave him authority. But the kingdoms of this world really have no eternal power. Right. And so Jesus said, don't fear the one who can destroy the body. Don't, Don't fear them. Right. Look to the one who has power over the body and soul. Right. And that's where Jesus has authority. And so as we look at this validation he has for himself, he's been given authority by the Father, just as Daniel 7, 14 prophesied. Now he's declaring his own authority. over, And he gives this, in this authority, he gives this commission, yeah. this kingdom commission in verse 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, or if you translate it more directly, ethnos. So all ethnicities, all ethnic groups, right? All language-speaking nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has all authority and gives us this commission to make disciples and baptize people by the authority of the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this isn't just saying by my authority. This is saying by all authority. Right. right. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you because I got the authority. And then here's the piece that's so powerful. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because heaven touched earth. Yeah. And the, the, now not only did heaven come to us when we couldn't get to them, but Jesus has made a way for us now to get to the Father. Right. And so everything that Abraham left this fictitious staircase to heaven his, has been fulfilled through him and his descendants through Christ for all of us right. to now have access as heaven has come to us for us to be able to get to the Father. And that's so awesome. So it's staggering that Jesus did all the work, dying on the cross, bringing victory through his power, his might, and he still is the door. He makes the way. He shares the kingdom with us. We are co-heirs with him. Amazing. So so let's look at the prophecy. Daniel 7, 27. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Now, have you ever thought about when Jesus' birth was announced, his kingdom will have no end. Yeah. He will have the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom will have no end. Let's look at Revelation 1, starting with verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, that's where the authority comes from, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. This is, this is so powerful. Tina, one of the reasons that these ziggurats were built so high was people looked at as they went into the clouds. And so I hear a lot of Christians today that say, oh, we're going to see Jesus. The, the, the sign of his return is him coming on the clouds. Well, that was the sign of his leaving. But heaven coming to earth, yeah. that of walking into the clouds, coming out of the clouds, the one who descends, this is, this is saying the one who brings heaven to earth. Yes. Right? Right. And so, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. And so shall it be. And there's a couple beautiful pictures here, but one of the hard ones is all the people will mourn 
because of him. But when we see the preciousness of heaven that came to earth that was yeah. pierced for us, there's a mourning that's due there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a sadness that's due, but in light of that, there is a rejoicing that comes, right? right? And until the end comes, we have this great kingdom commission. He has entrusted us with this commission, this promise that Jesus will be with us as we carry it out. And so we look back at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believed in God and bore the kingdom that was. And angels, they ascended and descended at Bethel, the gate of heaven. The disciples of Christ, Philip and Nathaniel, belonged to a king who would soon establish this eternal kingdom, yeah. and they would soon see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. But today, Christ's church, you, me, you guys, all of us await the day, and, and we will behold a final event of heaven touching earth. Yeah. And John writes it like this, from his testimony in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21, starting with verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So who is the bride of Christ? The church. The church, the new Jerusalem. And here we are, the Bible talks about us being prepared like a bride being yes. made ready. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This, this is that beautiful return to Genesis. Yeah. Where we see in the beginning, God able to be in us, our presence, God coming to earth and being with us, but then sin separates us. And right. now everything's been made new. And I love this piece. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Now, Tina, my whole life, I heard that and just thought he's just going to wipe the tears from our eyes. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. That's past, present, and future. Yeah. No more tears. Right. I mean, just let that sit in for a second. The pain, the sorrow, the fear, all the heartache, it's all gone. Right. Right? And it says there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, things that brought the tears, has passed away. That's the kingdom that's to come. It's incredible. So heaven touches earth in the days of Jacob. Heaven touches earth in the days of Jesus and heaven again will touch earth at this yeah. final consummation of you, all things. You've got that staircase, that ladder, the upper story and the lower story. And in the lower story is sickness and death, and sadness and heartache. And now that all passes away. Disappears forever. Disappears. And all the people who have submitted their lower story, our mortal lives, our physical lives, yeah. and all this to his plan and purpose are restored to the holy presence of our loving God forever. See, the imperfection of this world will not pass away until the final end, but you can belong to Christ's kingdom right now. I, and I don't know how many people can hear this without hearing the gimmicky way this has been presented for generations now. Yeah, It's not like a used car sale. It's not some bargain basement deal, this free gift that we've pitched there's a price that's been paid for heaven to touch earth. 
there's a price that's been paid for us to have eternal life. I think Romans 6 says it really beautifully. Verses 3 and 4, it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Now picture this as we read it. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What's profound is right there the picture of descending with Christ and then ascending with Christ and all things being made new. Well, the, the thing that's so powerful to me is nothing in this paints it as free because we have to join Christ in his death. And, and we're not called so much to a physical death as Christ died, but we are called yeah. to a death of self. Yeah. And what I love is while Christ is dying, being crucified, despised and rejected, we actually are with him at his lowest moment. Yes. And at his greatest, most triumphant moment, his resurrection, we're with him there too. You know, we talked about this a couple years ago in our women's conference, and we said it like this, believe, belong, behold. Believe God. That's what Abraham did, and that's what Isaac did, and that's what Jacob did. And then belong to God, which is yeah. what Nathaniel did. Yeah. We do that when we repent and we're baptized. That is the way that we descend with the Son of Man and ascend with the Son of Man. And then we can behold, behold the restoration of all things. That Revelation 21 picture that you read to us, the final event of heaven touching earth. The lower story is gone. The upper story is all that remains. And our our lives are enveloped in Christ. Yeah, and so what I love is once we, we put our faith in Christ, we submit to him, right? I actually have people ask me all the time, well, what is the deal with water baptism? Like, you know, we, we go back and we've got mistranslations uh, or, or more adequately, we have people that misconstrue and twist what Martin Luther said. And I, I challenge them to go back and read the large catechism of Martin Luther when yeah. he talks about baptism being reduced to nothing more than a red coat. He, he's very sharp with that, right? But I have people ask me, well, what's the deal with water? Is there something magical about the water? And I say, just look through God's story. It's always in the narrative. How does God create all things? According to Second Peter, all things were created through and by water. When we see the first thing created in Genesis 1, what's it created through? Water, right? Let's just look at where we've talked today. When we look at Bethel, where they saw heaven touching earth. Bethel has springs of water all around it. Yeah. You have to cross to get to it, right? It is fresh. It's luxurious. We look at the birth, this death, this burial, this resurrection that's pictured in, in Romans 6. It's, it's really a lot like the same picture of creation that is in the womb. What does a baby develop in? the amniotic fluid, the water. And so when a woman gives birth to new life, what happens? The water yeah. breaks and the baby can be born, right? So we see this in Romans 6, but we see this in the Great Commission, but more powerfully, we see it in Jesus' baptism, fully pictured, heaven touching earth, wow. this Holy Spirit presence, God's confirmation in Matthew chapter 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, right? Remember, John didn't want to baptize him. He said, you should baptize me. And Jesus said, this must be done to what? 
fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus submitted who didn't have to be submitted because it was what was right, right. to obey the Father, right? Yep. So when he comes out of the water at that moment, heaven was opened, right? Yep. So here is heaven open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So the heavens, the clouds part, the heavens are open. So coming on the clouds, we have this dove, the Holy Spirit, that descends on him. This is a beautiful picture for yeah. us. Remember the book of Acts chapter 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So look at what's happening in the picture of Jesus' baptism right. here. He is obeying the Father. He has nothing to repent of, but he is submissive. Right. And what happens? Heaven touches earth, yes. and the Holy Spirit is there. And we know what happens next. God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. We become sons and daughters of God, and he is pleased right. with us. So that picture, again, this descent from heaven, coming to earth, touching the earth, also is showing Jesus who has come from heaven to earth. And it shows this upper story touching the lower story. And when Philip, one of the apostles, preached this gospel in Samaria, where Jesus had been in John chapter 4, we get this beautiful moment in Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, we don't know exactly what he said, but we can see the fruit of it, Yeah. right? They were baptized, both men and women. How powerful is that? Beautiful. It is, it is the way that we participate in this descending and ascending. And there is no free way that we can, there's not a freeway to heaven. Right. right. Right? Not a highway to heaven, not a stairway to heaven, not a ladder to heaven. There is only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus. And the price that had to be paid, he came to this earth yeah. and he paid the ultimate price. God paid the price by giving his son as a sacrifice. Jesus laid his life down and took it back up right? That's not free. Right. That paid the price. But for us, we're like, well, I receive it as a free gift. No. He asked you to die to who you are. Right. He asked you for all that you are in this lower story so that you can have new life in the upper story. So in our reading this week, we see this mysterious account of Jacob having this dream of angels ascending and descending on this ladder that reaches to heaven. But there is so much meaning tied to that. And it's woven through the entire meta narrative of scripture, all the way to the book of Revelation, where we see this final event of heaven touching earth. So some questions for you to consider as you reflect on this week's reading. How is this idea of understanding the Bible in terms of a grand meta narrative useful? Yeah. I hope it brings a lot of clarity to some of these obscure Old Testament, Old Testament accounts that we're reading right now. Next question, how would you answer if someone asked you to explain how a physical kingdom like Israel could be a shadow of a spiritual kingdom like Christ's church? That's good. That's a good one. All right. Next question. When have you seen two stories in the Bible that were similar to each other or a shadow of a reality fulfilled in the Bible. 
Yeah, and remember the Bible uses the same language. Yes. So you're not going to, when you read in the New Testament, most of what you're reading is him making connections. The New Testament is making connections. So those shadows aren't just opinions and coincidences. Right. Jesus They'll was, always tie together to where scripture confirms scripture with the same language. Yep. Jesus was very intentional in how he made that presentation to Nathaniel. An Israelite in whom there is no deceit, you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, just like what we saw in the account of Jacob, but the yeah. fulfillment of it. And then finally, here's the last question. How does knowing that you are part of God's meta narrative change your daily interaction with others, disciples of Jesus and non-believers? Because this is something that is for all of us. This is a kingdom that we've all been invited not only to live in, but to steward. This narrative began in the beginning with God creating. We had water, the source of all life. We had the tree of life, and then sin separated it. Christ tied it all together, and I love how Revelation 22 ends. We have the river of life, no sea, but the river of life, so the yep. water of life. We have the tree of life, and we're back in the presence of God because of the sacrifice of the Lamb. That's the meta-narrative. That's it. And it's incredible. So I hope that as your eyes are being open to this, as you're reading through the Bible, it is causing you to fall more and more in love with the Word of God. And do not fall off. Just keep reading, and we look forward to seeing you back next week.